What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. Hope you're doing well, closing out your week strong. We're talking wrestling cards. Welcome to the party. I promise you, if you're not into wrestling cards, there will still be something that you can learn from this one. I got Adam Gelman, Drake Magruder on the pod to talk about evaluating year one of WWE and the Panini license. A lot to dig into here. If you like what I'm doing, follow, subscribe, hit all the buttons. Most importantly, tell a damn friend you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick into the conversation. What's up, everyone? Like I mentioned in the intro, we're talking wrestling cards. It's wild. It's been almost a year that Panini has had the license or has been producing cards. And um, I was thinking about this and in a group chat um, with these guys and there's been so many, so many conversations and decided, you know what, it's about time to bring wrestling cards back on the show. Talk a little bit about them, do a little uh, year in review recap. I'm joined by both of the, both uh, guests have been on the show uh, before. So I'm joined by Adam Gelman, WWE Gelman on Instagram and Drake, you all know Drake at Drake's PC. We're going to get into a lot of uh, topics, um, but without further ado, gentlemen, welcome. Are you recovered from the Royal Rumble? How are you doing? Oh, man, the Royal Rumble was quite the experience, wasn't it? Thanks for, by the way, thanks for having me on again. I love listening to your show, and I think you do a tremendous job sort of really presenting an, an awesome view of both the hobby and wrestling cards and I think the Royal Rumble and sort of the the backlash that will happen over the next couple of weeks as we get into Elimination Chamber and WrestleMania, this is going to be fun. So I'm excited to talk about sort of the year in review when it comes to Panini here as well. What's going on, Brett? Thanks for having me on again. Uh, yeah, the Rumble was definitely uh, one of the best events of the year. Um, certainly has people talking, right? Um, it's always exciting time. WrestleMania season, you know, in my opinion, it's kind of the the best time of year in terms of wrestling. And so just a lot to unpack from the show in terms of uh, where things go with the bloodline and Sami Zayn and, you know, the women's championship with Alexa and, uh, you know, um, and especially in the rumble with uh, the leak, the time that Guther was in there for the thing. I think that was unexpected by many. So there were a few surprises. Um, I, I think we thought maybe there'd be a few more surprises, but, uh, but maybe the regime is uh, up there. They're just going to kind of do the slow roll of surprises leading into WrestleMania. No doubt. I want to make, before we get into the wrestling card topic, um, maybe just stay on the Royal Rumble topic. I would love to hear a response from both of you, Adam. Maybe we start with you. What is one thing from the Royal Rumble event um, this past weekend that surprised you slash excited you in a good way? Well, there was a couple, but I mean, I don't think there's now a bigger baby face in wrestling than Sami Zayn is right now. Like that whole outcome of everything that happened during the, the course of that last segment was star making performance uh, for anybody else. But because Sammy is already on that level, I think it just elevated him so much more. But, you know, I've been a fan of Rhea Ripley for years since she started in NXT. I thought she just has a look that's undeniable. And, you know, she's just got this superstar sort of persona that I think she's cultivated with the Judgment Day, which has been one of the only things other than Dominic Mysterio's sort of emergence as a as a misdemeanor turned, uh, you know, hard time doer. But, you know, Rhea winning the Rumble, like I was hoping she was going to win it multiple times over the last couple of years. And I think she got, got the shaft coming in um, when she did win at, at WrestleMania against Asuka. I think she kind of was introduced hastily. 
She's gotten the shaft a couple of times with, with Charlotte Flair. So to see her finally get her moment is is a huge surprise. But man, I like Gunther is ready to like set the world on fire when it comes to like his performance. I think just showed that this guy should be in a main event consideration. And as they split the belts coming out of uh, hopefully out of WrestleMania or maybe going into WrestleMania, um, I I would love to see him mix it up with some of the top guys in the card especially guys like Drew McIntyre or Bobby Lashley or Brock Lesnar, as we saw during the rumble, it was just injected into my veins, please. Drake, what do you say? Yeah. I mean, I would just kind of echo a lot of things that are very similar. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned with Brock Lesnar, I think it did surprise me a little to see Lesnar come in and get thrown out so quickly, you know, cause you always think of him as like a dominant force and, and that whole sort of thing. And so, you know, I think surprising me in a good way is just things seem to be different a little bit, whether it was, Gunther, you know, as far as the the fact that he stayed in the Rumble for so long with Lesnar getting thrown out early with Edge returning, that was exciting, but it's like, but he didn't last very long. And, um, you know, I think that that surprised me in a good way as far as the way we're moving forward on the women's side in the Rumble. Um, and I think we talked about this in our group. It was a little surprising to me seeing all of the NXT talent on the women's side as opposed to the men's side. But I think that's a good thing. I think it shows that they're they're putting forth an effort to developing the the women's division there. Um, and so I think that's uh, that's something that's certainly positive. First of all, I can't believe he wasn't mentioned, but I'll just mention because everyone knew he was going to win. But I think there was the whole Cody Rhodes of it all, which I think everyone in the building knew he was going to win or forecasted that. But I think um, cool moment. So it'll be obviously he's going for the title, Roman. It'll be exciting to see how that unfolds. And the other thing I'll comment on, which I thought was really great, was just the fact that WWE is doing press conferences after these big events, it's like, yeah, they got all, they got all the media in the room. It's like, why would like, it's like why wouldn't you do this? It, it, it Like I needed to go to bed, but I stayed up and watched that entire press conference. And it was just like so well done because, you know, Rhea Ripley didn't have her face paint on and she wasn't acting her gimmick. She was acting herself. And Bray Wyatt did the same thing. And it was just like cool to see that. And I thought, uh, we're in the era where it, the more the WWE can humanize their brand, they should. And so just that, that stood out for me. Yeah, that was really cool. I think like, I, I'm glad that they took a more serious approach to it. And it's not like wrestleslaps.com as, as I saw on Twitter, like asking weird questions to Tony Khan at 3am. Um, this is a much more official sort of press conference where I think they did a really good job showcasing their talent. But yeah, like, like I, I'll eat up anything that has to do with the Royal Rumble. Like, this is my favorite event. And like this season, like the WrestleMania season, especially as it pertains to bringing it back to cards, like this is the chance where you get to see kind of who, who is the future of the brand. I think the features, like you mentioned, with Roxanne Perez and Zoe Stark and a few other NXT women getting into the Rumble, I think is is huge. And, and they've done that before, right? Where they haven't really featured it on the men's side, but they featured it on the women's just because of the size of the roster. And like, so just to see those, those girls come in and shine, I think was, was great. And I know Roxanne is from Texas, so that was cool. But yeah, overall, like there were very few things about that night that were unpredictable, except for maybe the way that it ended. But yeah, I think the the press conference itself was, was an interesting twist that I think they've started bringing back that I'm, I'm interested in seeing more of for sure. On the road to WrestleMania last year um, was the birth of WWE Prism. And believe me, we're going to get into the Prism <laughs> of, of it all. Um, but I want to just maybe start from the top with you guys about just the wrestling. And I also want to like, uh, I don't want to be exclusive, but I just want to, for the audience, this conversation is going to be 
centered around modern wrestling cards. Um, so just want to put that cherry on top, just making sure that anyone out there who's not familiar or new to wrestling cards knows that that's kind of the direction we're going with this one. But I'll just say like, and then I'd love to kick it to you guys, like in terms of like product offering and excitement and just conversations online, um, the rate at which cards are selling, what they're selling for um, at this point, I just, I've seen a ton of momentum for wrestling cards. And I think maybe personally, it's where I'm spending a majority of my time. And it's like, it's, it's got its teeth in me right now. And I can't get enough safe searches. I can't get enough new product information, um, <laughs> new ways to collect, build out sets. So I'm having a ton of fun, but Adam, maybe we start with you, like current state of modern wrestling cards. You're a guy who has a groups on Facebook, who's active on Twitter regularly, who's is connected always giving us new information. Like what, how would you evaluate kind of the current state of things? Yeah. I mean, like coming out of 2021 and thanks to the the other gentlemen on this conversation here, I think we're in a, a really good spot with kind of where it was at the height of 2021 and the end of that year and, and sort of Drake's illustrious purchases. Um, and then heading into sort of the, the downward spiral that we've seen with the hobby as of late and how wrestling cards have sort of like, you know, navigated those waters. Like, here's the thing. Like I said, originally when the hobby sort of would sort of start to come over the peak of that mountain, that those niche areas would be the first ones to really sort of fall off the wagon and really take a steep dive into nothingness. I don't think that's happened here. And it's really cool to see. And I think like I've started to see a huge amount of excitement sort of building around some of the sets that came out later in the year, because I think Panini's done a tremendous job sort of functioning their calendar around specific, you know, roller coaster rides through different configurations, whether it be super premium with impeccable and immaculate versus like set collectors kind of with revolution. And then just the overall fun factor of select, like it's really inspired the community to engage with wrestling cards in ways that I don't think we've ever had the opportunity with tops, not saying tops did a bad job because I collected shit out of tops cards. But like because of like just the the sheer difference of approach that Panini has had. So when you look at like the like the huge heights of 2021, we were seeing Chrome boxes sell from 2014 at like 1500 bucks. We had, you know, the Roman Reigns Superfractor that Drake bought sell at a gigantic price and record price. We saw rock cards hand over fist every single time they were selling, they were selling for more. Roman Reigns, every time they were selling two and three times, you know, in a in a month. Like I don't think we're on that path anymore. But man, like there's still some strong sales that are happening on a regular basis. Just looking at like a set like Chronicles, like let's take that as an example. Like that's a mid-range set. It's a fun set. It's not supposed to be like the one that drives a huge amount of value. There were, you know, three sales over a thousand dollars in a week last a couple of weeks ago. Like if you look back to WWE cards in 2017, 2018, like that was happening once a year, maybe. Like, and those were for like product level hits of the top tippy top stars. Now we're seeing like cards that you wouldn't expect to sell for four figures, hitting four figures regularly. We've seen stuff hit mid four figures above five figures, you know, like all of those things happening all at once right now, even in a down hobby is really awesome to see. We saw the, the rock gold uh, PSA eight sell at 11, four, like that's just a huge win. I think for wrestling cards overall, and I'm not going to steal all of Drake's thunder because I'm sure he's got a ton of thoughts on this as well. But yeah, I think overall, like, is it as good as it was in 2021 with the you know, pending launch of this new era? Probably not. 
but there are still some a lot of really things really good things to be excited about so and let drake add his thoughts as well yeah and drake i'd love when you're responding i'd love for you to maybe i know you do a ton of buying uh and a lot of different types of wrestlers and a lot of different types of products so I'd love for you to maybe speak on just like the buying of it all and what you've experienced just over the last year in this market. Yeah, I'd say there's just, uh, you know, just kind of going back to Adam's point about the Roman Reigns, and, and this has been documented before, but, you know, when I looked at and was negotiating with the seller and all that kind of stuff, I just compared it to other segments of the hobby. And, you know, while it's not a traditional stick and ball sport and it's kind of that fringe sport, it's still, there were just some great buys out there for just the significance of someone like a Roman Reigns or the rock or, you know, name your significant athlete or, you know, significant wrestler where, you know, price comparison certainly made sense. And then you kind of go back to, we've talked about this before where, you know, you look at buying singles versus buying boxes or buying cases or things like that. And when I look at it and I say, well, look, well, I can get a, you know, Roman Reigns gold prism for the price of a case of prism at this point. Right. It seems like a great buy because if you go buy the case of prism, what are the odds you're going to buy? You know, like land a Roman Reigns prism, right? Great way, right? it, great you're, way you're, you're thinking at it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you're you're probably not going to do it. So while it's a lot of money, it's certainly you know for me less less risky. So like I'm not really the one that buys wax and rips it and tries to open it and things like that. You know, I just try to go for the singles and just look for me from a value standpoint, not where I think like oh well this is going to be worth X in five or ten years or whatever. I'm just thinking currently for you know, the card compared to wax prices and how hard it'd be to pull. Think of like a, a Jerry Lawler. He's he's someone that I collect, right? And, uh, you know, I look at some of his one-of-ones and they're a couple hundred bucks. Well, that's the, that's the cost of like a box of cards. And so that to me just seems like, you know, a way to get into the cards that I really want without taking risk with wax and things of that. Um, the other thing I'll say, just kind of from a community standpoint, with wrestling cards, I have more people that reach out to me or have reached out to me over the past year and a half, just asking about wrestling cards and things to look at. And, Hey, I really like, you know, X wrestler, male or female, you know, what cards should I look at? Where should I go? And so I try to, I try to steer people in a way like, you know, cause I really like gold parallels and I don't want everybody to just say, Oh, what's, well, you know, it's gold or bust or whatever. Um, I think I try to steer people say, Hey, well, why don't you look at this and that? And then they'll kind of give me feedback on stuff. And, you know, I think that's just really fun to see. And I think you don't see that sense of community and other aspects of the hobby because a lot of things are still, you know, so focused on the investment potential and and price and stuff like that, where I think with wrestling, um, it's a little bit more collector base, uh, which I like. And then the last thing I'll, I'll say to it is I still think we're in a bit of a discovery phase with wrestling cards, not only on the buying and the selling piece, because I still think you have some sellers who think that they, you know, have a retirement fund on a wrestling card when they, when, like when they really don't. And then I also think you see sellers still, and I think we saw this on, 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 on Facebook and I don't want to go into too many details, but where a seller didn't know what he had, it was a gold prism and it went, went very cheap, just in my opinion. And so there's still people that don't know what they have. Um, and so kind of on that buying and selling piece, but then also too, uh, when I go to when I go to a card show, I'll typically bring some wrestling cards with me, not because I'm a flipper or anything like that. Just sometimes if I see something I want, maybe I can use it in trade or something of that nature. And a lot of dealers are still not sure what to do with wrestling cards. They look at it and say, well, this is uh, out of five out of 10 or whatever. And it sold a year ago. Um, I don't know how to price it now. And it makes me nervous to buy it because I don't know what it's really worth. And so you don't see that in the other aspects because they transact a lot more often. And so I think 
it's just an interesting thing to look at as far as on these cards that are one of ones out of five out of 10 that get sucked up into collections and don't sell very often. You know, there's tools out there like Card Ladder, for example, that can help you try to price a card, but it makes it difficult in the, you know, the environment that we're in where it's things get locked up more in collections that are less transacted. Both you guys said so much there that we could probably go sideways and spend the whole episode talking about uh, the nooks and crannies of each of those points. I think the one thing that excites me about wrestling cards is that because it's immature, there there are opportunities out there if you hit the ground running and if you're connected to the right people to maybe get cards for lesser than you anticipated. But on the flip side of that, like I know both of you have experienced this, like in most cases, people know what they have, that people know that there's degenerates like us willing to pay a premium price to get to get those <laughs> cards in our collection. So there is a lot of strong, um, strong uh, deal making going on. So I don't know, like for me, it's like, and I'd love to hear from you guys. It's like, there's this balance of like, one day I could wake up and get a one of one Roman Reigns that I've been looking for, for a quarter of what I anticipated. But on the other side, I wake up and sometimes I'm paying three, three X what I anticipated on another card. So like, what is your guys' experience there? And then how do you maybe navigate the, the communication and the deal making when it comes to a wrestling card that you need? Yeah, so Brett, so I'll, I'll jump in on this and I'll just take, you know, one example of The Rock, right? And we were just talking about this the other day where, you know, I have a lot of money that I'm invested into The Rock and, you know, he's someone that I collect and, and things like that. And there, his uh, select mezzanine gold was available and I'm looking at it and I'm just like, gosh, man, you know, this is a little bit more than I wanted to spend for it. it you know, it was like four times the price that I spent for the Roman, you know, for for the select mezzanine gold. And I'm just like, why would I do this? And your your comment was, well, you know, by by you doing that, you're really investing in in your collection. Um, and so a lot of times when I look at it that way, it helps, you know, it's not like I'm supporting my own market. I don't really look at it like that, but it makes me feel more confident in my buys because, you know, it just, it reinforces you're buying something that you believe in because, you know, you love the person, you love the character, you love the parallel of the card, um, things like that. And so the, 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 there's just to me, there's a lot of things that just reinforce my conviction with buying um, and kind of going that route in terms of like negotiation with, with sellers and things like that. I, it, I waffle back in my brain a lot and I'll, I'll flip it to Adam after this, where, you know, you reach out to somebody and you're like, Hey, so I collect this and I, and I need this because it's a, you know, the gold of this person. And I really want this card and all this, but sometimes in a sense, you kind of expose yourself because people know what you want. And so they feel like they can, yep. you know, in some yep. cases can really take advantage of you. And so, Sometimes I'm like, do I throw my cards out on the table like that? Or do I just stand back and just send an offer and cross my finger and hope for the best? Yeah, I, I man, it's different for me a little bit because everybody knows what I collect. Everybody knows what I collect. And because, you know, and I get, and that's what makes this, Drake mentioned it earlier, that's what makes this community so often awesome is that so often they're reaching out to me saying, hey, this big Becky Lynch card was just posted, you know, here, can you just go go take a look? You know, it's it's out there for you. And, you know, for me, like, I don't really sell Becky Lynch cards unless I absolutely have to, to fund another Becky Lynch card. So like from a super collector point of view, like it is a little bit of a different approach for me because it's so problematic when, um, there's a bunch of people out there that know that they can take advantage of your situation. So like, for me, it's, it's really interesting to see sort of how sellers approach it rather than how the buyers, because 
I usually come on strong. Like there's no hiding it. Like why, why even try to like play coy and say like, Oh yeah, it's a nice card, but maybe I don't need it. Like they're going to laugh in my face. So I just say like, Hey, I really want this card. And you know, it's something I really want. Here's my offer. And it's usually pretty high. And I feel confident in the prices that I pay. And because I'm not selling it, like I don't look at it from a you know profit versus loss standpoint. I just want to have the card in my collection. And if you saw some of the recent stuff that I've picked up, uh, whether it was like the finest super fractor autograph or the white prism one-on-one autograph, like I just wanted those cards because they're parts of the things that I love about, you know, the the sets that tops put out for finest and, you know, prism for the white sparkle stuff. So like, it was just something that I looked at and said like, Hey, this is what I want. Now, sometimes people want to sell to collectors more than flippers. And sometimes like there's specific situations where I can sort of negotiate because people know that I'm going to keep the card and it's going to stay with me for, you know, an extended period of time because that's my PC. Um, but you know, overall, like this is, this is a great market to be in. However, for me, because now there's a growing amount of competition you kind of like set your own market. So like, it's, it's really problematic that now, because everybody sees what I've paid, like, and there's others that have come on and say, well, if Adam's paying that I'm going to pay it too. And like, you know, you inspire people to start t- taking their own chases. And like, that's what's been so rewarding for me too, is those that reach out to me and say like, I want to be the, you know, the Gelman of, uh, you know, Damien Priest collecting or whoever, you know, just as a random guy off the top of my head. So like that, that's really cool to see, but you know, then you have people who also want to collect the person that you're collecting and kind of to Brett's point from before, like I thought I would get it at this price and it ends up being triple that or Sometimes you can get in there quick and somebody wants to just move the card with haste and they'll give you a good price on it. Like, or you meet somebody like, uh, like I ran into with the Noir 101 and, you know, a friend on Instagram said like, Hey, I want to sell this to you because it's your PC and I'll give you a good price on it. And he did. And we worked out a deal smoothly. It was awesome. So like, those are the types of situations I live for, obviously, but I also recognize that competition grows as the hobby grows. So I've become a little bit more realistic about the limitations of what I can expect to own in my collection. Part of what I want to do in this conversation, knowing that there's a lot of people who don't necessarily collect wrestling cards who listen to this show, is to um, uh, kind of frame things up, especially as we're talking about the year in Panini, with thinking about just like the modern collector and trying to paint the picture if you're the modern collector of football or basketball, like what spotlight on wrestling and, and talk a little bit about things that are the same and things that are might might be different. And one of the ways I like to do that is just to think about, okay, we have a year under our belt. Like what are some surprises or things that stood out uh, to us as we experienced WWE in Panini for the first time? And I'll kick it off and then um, Adam, maybe pitch it to you. Uh, But I think the one thing that certainly was different and I don't know, I would say it was a surprise, maybe a surprise at the level that I'm seeing it, but was one of the things was with modern football, you know, if I don't get a card after the product drops, I can probably wait three months and that rare card will pop up somewhere else. And then I'll have another at bat with it. Whereas you, if I just zoom in and look at gold prism cards, like dude, I can't like I have a list. <laughs> I can't find them. Like they're just not showing up. Granted, some are in boxes, but with with wrestling card community and collectors, like stuff just gets stashed and you don't see it. So it's this balance I have when new product drops. It's like, shit, how hard do I have to go at this? And I know like for me, it's this instinct I have that it's like, if I know I need the card and it just dropped and it's uh, within a certain range, not price, but range, 
I'm going to get it because I have this fear that I'll never get a crack at it again. So that is dramatically different than what I've experienced in other sports. But uh, I'd love for you, Gelman, I know you collected football. I'd love for you to maybe comment a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it's it's a really interesting sort of situation because I remember, so I used to collect Adrian Peterson exclusively. So funny how this works, right? You you pick one collection point in football and then it just translates to a new sort of super collection in, in, in another sport. But I think with football, like there was a, a larger expectation that um, you didn't have to have everything to be like the main you know person for that set or that person or whatever. So like the 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 whole sort of chase of like new product dropping and stuff like that. Like there was a lot more history too. Like they, like you said, wrestling's still new. So like there's a lot more like background that people have more context that people have of like how cards are going to perform in the market. And so when when I was going after things in football, like I only wanted like the nicer stuff. Like I didn't really go for like the lower things. Um, but I also recommend recognize that the cost was going to be significantly higher to get the, like if the Vikings drafted a new rookie, I knew I would have to pay more for Dalvin cook or Justin Jefferson than I would for a 15th year card of, you know, Adrian Peterson or Randy Moss or Chris Carter or something like that. So I think with wrestling, it's so much different because there's, you know, it's still new and like the sets are all debuts, right. And collectors love first. So, so like, you know, there's this whole thing of like the rarity and the idea that I have to have the rainbow and all these other things like drives me to spend, you know, time chasing down things that I wouldn't normally have done in football or I wouldn't have done in baseball or any of those other things because there's just more of it in those sports. So there's a lot more variety to go around. You don't have to create these adventures for yourself because there's so much you know, a volume out there to be able to support the different aspects of, of the different collecting bases that exist. And more people just collect for value in those sports too. So they're like, I want to own the best stuff of football. I want to own the best stuff of Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady and, you know, in basketball, it's LeBron James and Kobe and, and Steph Curry and all those guys. Like there's, there's more of like, I need to just have a great collection of amazing stuff. Like Drake has, for his collection, sure, he he invests in The Rock and sure, he invests in Roman Reigns and others, things like that. But he has just a wide variety of awesome stuff. I just have a wide variety of one person. And that's where there's a lot of different collecting bases that exist there too. Plus, you have these hobby standards like, you know, that are experiencing in wrestling or be, people are experiencing in wrestling for the very first time. Color Blast. You know, eventually we'll get downtowns and kabooms and all of those hobby standards that drive so much of the fun stuff in basketball and football, those haven't been in wrestling before. So when you see like the immaculate or the um, impeccable numbers set, like just exploding in values because people haven't had them before, but they've recognized the value in other sports. So we've done videos on that on, on a number of different areas too before. So like really awesome stuff is happening and the communities sort of are, are split between like the existing collectors who want to do the same thing that they've always done. And then you have the crossover collectors or people who have experience as crossover collectors like me who have been here for a while, but now want to explore some of the Panini stuff too, because that's what everybody collects and you see all over Instagram and social media too. So really interesting sort of changes in the community and, and the way that collectors are approaching this and the way I've approached it as well. What do you got, Drake? I know you're, um, you're kind of straddling a, a couple different, definitely in football, Manning, Breeze. Uh, primary PCs, but then, you know, you've got a pretty substantial wrestling card collection. What kind of, what kind of similarities and differences do you experience on, 
the kind of the two sides of the coin there. Well, so what's kind of funny about my collection is a lot of people give me grief a lot because they say that I uh, collect the retirement home because everybody I collect is either retired or mostly retired. But, you know, it's the guys that I have nostalgia for and kind of grew up with kind of more than anything else. I think, you know, Roman Reigns, I believe, and a little bit of Cody Rhodes, really the only active person that I collect. But I was actually just talking to somebody the other day and I'm like, you know, we were talking about playing years cards and wrestling. And I told someone, I said, well, you know, you, you realize Ric Flair had a match last year. So technically he still has playing <laughs> year cards. Um, so it's kind of an interesting thing. It's, you know, which I think will kind of go in my first topic is, you know, in a lot of the sports, people only want, only want to collect cards from playing years. And so it's tough to define sometimes in wrestling, like what playing years are, so to speak, you know, is it when they were on TV every week and super active and all that kind of stuff, or is it just throughout their career or, you know, we've seen some some people that have passed away, you know, like an Andre the Giant or Eddie Guerrero or whatever, and they still have these like post-playing year cards that are really nice, whether, you know, super fractors or gold refractors or one of ones and things like that. And, and people still chase those really, really hard, which I think is kind of cool. And a lot of times you don't see that in some of the other sports because, you know, they're more interested in in the prospecting and the active year cards and all that kind of stuff. And uh, which I'm kind of that way too, when it comes to like Peyton Manning and Drew Brees, I don't really collect a lot of their post-playing year stuff. I try to keep it to when they were active and all that, um, you know, especially with those two guys, that, like they will sign anything um, and they continue to sign anything. And so you have to be very selective as far as like what looks cool to you, what you like and that kind of stuff. The other thing that comes to mind too, that I think is interesting kind of similarity difference between the two is I feel like in the stick and ball sports, a lot of people are, or at least what I see on social media, a lot of people want to collect more of the shiny type cards. And you see less folks that are chasing after patches and autos and that kind of stuff. And when it comes to wrestling cards, and I don't know if it goes back to my whole point about discovery, but it seems like there's a smaller crowd that wants the shiny stuff and more people want the autographs. And I see that it shows, I mentioned before, kind of trading and all this kind of stuff as I was breaking out you know, like a Hulk Hogan gold refractor and some other stuff. And they didn't, people weren't really interested in that kind of stuff. They, they were wanting the cards with the signatures on them, you know, as far as to put in their showcase and things like that. Whereas, you know, with the other sports, if I break out something in a showcase and it's got, got an autograph or a patch or something like that, a lot of times they're not interested in, in it. They go towards the gold refractors. And so it's just kind of an interesting difference I see. Um, I'm not really sure what's driving that difference, but I think it's uh, I could you know, something that's out there. <laughs> That's that's the old wrestling collector in a lot of and and like so for years I mean wrestling was dominated by autographs like none of the other stuff made any difference mostly female autographs right so if you look back at at how things have shaped up since you know I've been around wrestling cards which is like 2017 ish time frame like the Alexa Blisses the you know the the people like that are what drove the value it was very rarely people like Braun Breaker or The Rock, or even Roman Reigns. They were low-value guys because wrestling collectors wanted autographs and they wanted them um, of female people uh, for obvious reasons. And then, like, it sort of shifted. Like, there was a major shift. Once the Chrome stuff came back around in 2020 and 2021, and then the Panini announcement was made, like, there was this dramatic shift because so many people flooded, like, these gates of like, hey, now I'm a wrestling collector too. I want, you know, the stuff that makes sense in the other sports because that's what resonates with my collection. Because like you said, my collection is mostly shiny stuff. So when I go to wrestling, now I want to also own the same type of cards to make the standardization of my collection more simple. As those people have sort of exited or, you know, maybe transitioned into more of an, you know, 
wrestling collector like you guys have, like where they're focusing a lot more on wrestling, they're starting to see that the community is built around the autographs because historically these aren't card collectors. They're wrestling fans collecting wrestling artifacts, which in the history of wrestling has always been focused on getting signatures and photos and stuff like that. So much to get into. Uh, one thing <laughs> I, I do, I do want to say something Drake talked about that doesn't get talked about enough is this, uh, is it playing years? Is it not? And I think like the benefit of collecting wrestling cards is that it doesn't really matter because it's then now and forever to use a, uh, catchphrase that <laughs> WWE, they, it's, they're characters, right? It's just like, like I likened it to in the association I always say to people who have no idea about wrestling and say, it's kind of like Pokemon, like they're characters. And like, we get the benefit of being able to collect these guys in brand new products. And it's not like that they retired and they're in the Hall of Fame or whatever. Yeah, there's a Hall of Fame, but it's it's different. And I don't even know how to explain it, but uh, that's what I like about it. It's like, I can go buy a rock card. And even though he hasn't been in the ring in a while, it's like, I still feel good because I connect with the nostalgia and I believe in the monetary upside of something like that. Is he Pikachu because he's the most electrifying man in supposed to I'm sorry, I had to go there. <laughs> he, 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 I have not gone down the... Decent cop, we'll move forward though. We'll move forward. Okay, so we want to talk about Panini. I would love to get your guys' general take on their performance this year. I think debut year. I remember, Adam, you wrote articles about this, but I just remember like the rumblings and people were unsure and people don't like change. And, you know, people were out there trying to talk about like what people can expect. And it's just wild. It happened so fast. All of a sudden we've had several products, collections, like mine, and I'm sure both of you guys look a lot different than they did a year ago. But uh, Drake, we'll start with you. Like, how do you, how is Panini done? Like, what's your general take on just a year in review of them with the WWE license? Yeah, I think it's been pretty phenomenal. Like, in my opinion, I think with the the Prism release a year ago and just the general excitement about that, and you know, we saw the run up in prices and all that, and you know, I don't think that was a good thing, kind of in, in hindsight. But but what can you do about it? And just the photography on the cards was great kind of to start with. And then, you know, and then we get the what select after that. And I think, you know, that just took it up a whole nother level as a collector. Um, I love the, the parallels between the different levels of the Panini select WWE and then the stick and ball sports and that kind of stuff. And I think as we've mentioned in our group, just photography is awesome, whether it's, you know, Becky or the rock or Roman reigns and, and that whole sort of thing. And, and, and it's a fun chase too, because a lot of these things, like you mentioned before, they're just hard to find. And, you know, you just kind of have to be patient and know that one's going to appear at some point and, you know, that whole sort of thing. Uh, then you get to impeccable after that. And, you know, it was great seeing those cards and the different sets that are linked to some of the other stick and ball sports. And that was really the first set where we got a lot of like the on-card autos, um, you know, real low numbered stuff, uh, things of that nature. And then with with Chronicles and, and, and that whole sort of thing, like you mentioned before, it's kind of that, that mid range set that has the national treasures and the Panini one of one, which is a fun chase that, that you've been going down. And I'm sure you'll kind of speak to that. And, you know, just photography is cool. And I think there's something for everybody and, you know, you don't have to break the bank to get into wrestling cards and you can find something that, that appeals to you, whether it's an autograph, whether it's a shiny card um, you know, I think there's something for everybody. And then with the the looming release of Immaculate, uh, hopefully next month, fingers crossed, um, I think we'll get that higher end set that has 
has some things um, that we've never seen before in wrestling cars. And I think that's that's going to generate a whole new level of excitement um, that will hopefully kind of lead into the second year release of Prism. Um, be nice around the time of WrestleMania again, like last year. I'm not, not exactly sure when that's going to happen, but I think, you know, the spring has a lot to like leave out there to get us excited for the for the year two of uh, wrestling cards. Adam, I'm going to pitch it to you, but I, I want to comment on the photography of it all. I think we all, we all were fans of tops in WWE. I know it based on our collections, but I think <laughs> Drake, I remember you like sending me maybe the last year finest John Cena card. And like, he's like leaning up against the ropes or whatever. And there, <laughs> it wasn't exclusive to that. There was a lot. And it's like, you just look at like the dying days of tops WWE and you contrast it with, the images that we're getting in some of these Panini products and it's night and day. And it just was like, for me as someone who aesthetics are so important, like the image on the card is like everything. And so I think one thing that stands out to me is just like Panini's ability to take these moments from a long period of time and inject them into these new products. And that's what I think excites me and other collectors as we uh, kind of move forward with another year and with them having the license. But Adam, I'd love to kind of get your take on the first year. Yeah, I, I, listen, I, I think you are spot on with that. The photos have really made me seem bigger and better than it is. I mean, WWE is a company based on moments. Like they market their company on the moments that happen within their shows and I think these Panini cards have captured them better than I've seen in a very long time. And I think just taking the the shifts that they've done even within the year, because you see that the original Undertaker card in Prism was very controversial, but they kind of had another shot at it with the mezzanine. And like, man, like it's so cool to see kind of even their own, they're taking it, it big jumps within their their set years. But for me personally, like going back, like I've never been a Panini. Like, I just like, I don't, I really didn't identify with the way they designed their cards, anything that they chose for set names. Like I was, I had major problems, but so I was like coming into this WWE year, like, okay, you're taking it away from tops who historically has been one of my favorites, if not my favorite companies that produce cards. And you're taking it to the people that I have literally had an adversarial relationship with for almost 10 years. And like, I, like, I will say like, geez, like this this year has been the most or 2022 card year has been the most fun that I've had as a collector of cards. And I've been in this hobby since I was a young kid. I've had so much stuff to chase. I have had so much fun just seeing the photos and the set designs and the standards. Like I mentioned before, those legacy products coming over to WWE for the first time, like that was an experience I didn't expect to have. And it's driven me to spend more money than I was expecting, of course, but, (laughs) but also like, you know, just seeing that I have the prison black in my collection and what that has meant to the hobby over the time that it's been kind of the focus of people's chases on social media and stuff like that. Like I never expected that to happen, but you know, kind of going through this, like I thought prison was a landmark set. Like it was a landmark set. The checklist was amazing. Those dual autographs were amazing. Like everything except for the price of the wax delivered and delivered above what my expectations were. Like they are just really knocking it out of the park with just every one of these things. They approach it like, hey, what would the collectors most want to see us do? Let's do that. And like, I think, so when we went with Prism and you saw this 
gigantic checklist. Everybody that's under WWE contract, save Flair and Macho Man, a few others, Ronda Rousey, whatever. Like those are just, they've done a tremendous job with that. Now going into revolution, the galactics and the way that those turned out really cool stuff. Select was probably the biggest adventure that I had as a collector for years and years and years that I can even think of. Like there were 40 Becky base cards that I had to chase. And that didn't even include all of the autos and relics. And then impeccable. I thought impeccable was always my favorite Panini design set. Like the look of impeccable was always what made me love that set. Like the painted sort of HDR type of resolution on those cards here. I think they did a really good job of sort of translating that, but we haven't even seen like things like a standalone national treasure set, but we got it in Chronicles. Like in the, the cards that were part of that set, like statement pieces everywhere. Like you have the one that Jameson picked up that Roman Reigns with the belt. Like those cards are statement pieces. Like he doesn't even collect sticker autographs, but still went for that card because of the way that it looks. Like we're seeing that across the board. They have the first WWE logo autographs in select that were like a dedicated set. Like those just knocked it out of the park. And we haven't even seen Immaculate yet, which is supposed to be the cherry on top of the Sunday. We have this bloodline booklet that's going to be a part of that set. Like all of this just gets me fired up as a collector. Like, sure, there's been issues, right? There's been QC issues. There's been centering issues. There's been surface issues. There's all sorts of mistakes that Panini has become known for. But, you know, if I look back on the 2022 card year and, and sort of like my own assessment of it, man, it's just been so much more fun on top of more fun on top of more fun. And as we get into like the first preview images, of Prism for 2023, you're going to see the first cards of Cody Rhodes in Prism. You're going to see Bray Wyatt come back, which I hope they use the war paint sort of stuff from the Royal Rumble. That would be awesome. So like, there's still stuff like we have four more years of this to go before it goes back to fanatics. Like people have approached wrestling. Like it's a one year thing. And I keep telling people like what happens when we get to year four and we're looking back on year one, we're going to laugh at like just kind of the ability that we've had to acquire some of these statement pieces without much competition, without much huge price hikes or anything like that. Like when we get further in, are we going to start to see that these are becoming much more difficult to sort of get into your collection? I think the answer is going to be yes. I'm glad Prism was mentioned. Obviously the significance of Prism throughout the hobby is it's, it's big. And I think what happened and I, what I want to do is spend some time trying to set the record straight on Prism, what happened, What's going on? Um, because the thing that pisses me off is that you have outsiders that came in who are a, maybe a part of the run-up. And then it's the people who aren't in the community that are kind of pointing fingers and saying, I'm not going to touch WWE and not this and that. And it's like, that's fine. Like, if you don't want to be a part of it, then don't be a part of it. But to cast narratives that just aren't true. Like, I'm spending thousands of dollars on WWE Prism currently, and I still plan to. If the if the cards that I want on my list pop up because I like them, I like gold prisms. I like one of one. So me too. I, me too. I'm super. Mm-hmm. I'm super passionate about that. And just to see outsiders like point their fingers. Yes, things got ran up. Yes, things went down. But I don't know. I things are steady, steadying right now, and I can't find shit. <laughs> I'm like I'm turned over rocks, and I can't find stuff. So uh, maybe just like whoever wants to open up, like talk a little bit about that. Let's try to set the record straight on. What's happened with Prism, where we're currently at? I'll let Drake take this one because I'll sort of piggyback on what he has to say. 
Yeah. And I think you did a nice job on one of your YouTube videos, or maybe it was uh, maybe it was like an article, Adam, of kind of documenting what happened. So I'll just kind of paraphrase a little bit and let you add on. But, you know, the release of Prism last year it kind of coincided with kind of the peak of the market in 2022. And then after that, things slowly started to decline. Um, you know, the larger economy started to decline and things like that. So I think both of those are kind of related. Um, you know, and again, uh, just just think of wrestling in general, right? The peak excitement is from January to April, kind of Royal Rumble WrestleMania season as a whole. And then you kind of had that summer lag and all that. So I think all of that kind of coinciding with what was going on in the larger economy and that whole sort of thing, I think played a larger or had like a larger effect into what was going on and what we kind of saw with Prism and prices declining and, you know, that whole sort of thing. You know, it was never meant to be a seven hundred, a thousand dollar box. You know that kind of stuff because in wrestling cards we had never seen that before, and things kind of got driven up too high. Um, a lot of people got suckered in and were buying stuff that they didn't really know what it was. You know, I mean, yeah, a card that's a teal out of forty nine is out of forty nine, and it's great, but it has no historical significance in the hobby, right? If you need that for your collection, go for it, go get it. But people were buying that thinking it was like a great investment uh, when in fact it really wasn't. Um, so it's kind of that piece of it uh, in terms of prism and the release and and that whole sort of thing. But I think long term, as as was mentioned from Adam, you know, I think we're seeing those landmark sales still on you know the right cards and the significant cards. And, you know, I think you're seeing that stuff get gobbled up into collections, um, and a lot of that stuff won't see the light of day for a long time. And so, you know, I think just really to set the record straight, you look in the other sports, right? When 2012 prism came out, people didn't care about it. It sat on the store shelves and things like that. And it wasn't for a long time before people looked back and were like, wow, this is, you know, a first big set. And there's some really cool cards in here, some really significant cards. And then those kind of called on like wildfire. And, you know, I don't know if it'll be a year from now, five years from now, 20 years from now. But I think that first set of Prism one day will be looked back upon as a significant set in the wrestling card hobby and things that kind of help wrestling cards take that next step forward. Yeah, it might. I, that's a great way of explaining it. Like my viewpoints are well known. And I like, if you're trying to tell me that prism was an abject failure because the wax dropped in price, like that's bullshit. Like, I'm sorry. Like there's a lot of stuff that happened in prism that people were pointing to as like the, Oh, this is the, the defining moment for wrestling cards. Like, no, like they're, purposely focusing on the negative stuff because it brings clicks, it brings controversy, it brings discussion. I love having those debates. But as I mentioned in my article, like to Drake's point, like these things in, in, in the hobby take sometimes half a decade, a decade to sort of play out. And you're seeing collectors still, like Brett mentioned, he's still looking for cards. Like, man, like there's 25 other Bretts for one person like looking for one car that still hasn't shown up. Like those are the types of things that Prism drives in this hobby. And like people still want the golds. People still want the blacks. People want the dual autographs. Like there's a lot of stuff that was forgotten in Prism because the wax price dropped. And I think that that is just an unfair way of looking at it. But I think overall, when you look at like the impact that Prism has had, there are cards selling from Chronicles that would never reach those levels on a same level setting tops ever. Like you're selling cards, see, you're seeing cards sell for a couple hundred dollars that would never have reached that price in tops. Like that's the effect of what the, the extended audience that Prism brought with has meant to the wrestling card hobby. 
Now, for some, that's a negative, right? People don't want to pay more for it. I want to be at the front of the line. I don't want to be at the back of the line waiting behind all these other jabronis trying to, you know, get the same cards. Like, man, like, I, I'm sorry. Like, seeing people pile on, too, and just being like, oh, yeah, like, you know, there will always be wrestling all-stars or it will always be the WCW autograph set. Like, I, like that, for new people coming into the hobby, like, I run a Facebook, I help run a Facebook group. We used to get, I don't know, one, two a month, new people that would come in. Now we're getting like 20 a day. Like, I mean, it's just like, there's so much more added stuff that prison brings for. So like, here's the other thing too. Like there have been record setting sales that just continue to happen over and over and over again, even now. So like, you know, Drake had one of them. There's been others that have sold recently too, where cards are selling close to five figures above five figures for select, for Prism, for everything. Like I, like, I don't see the, the, the hate here equating to anything but, you know, progressing people's agendas that want to stay on top of the hobby and really don't have a clear understanding of like what Prism has meant for wrestling cards. And there's also a lot of people out there that don't want wrestling cards to get bigger, no matter how many times they say it. Because, you know, Panini doesn't care about set collectors or Panini doesn't care about, you know, the, the collecting base that really has been there before. That's the point of why Panini was taking over this license because they wanted to bring all of their success that they had had in other parts of the hobby to wrestling cards. And they've ultimately been successful. And I think that the, in the article I wrote, I talked about the rock gold, which is always, always a source of controversy and sort of the reason why it was controversial. And even that story was never told. It's just, well, this card is you know not as expensive as everybody says it is. Like, no, it is expensive. Like, We've had people tell you, this is what I bought it for. Drake, you know, mentioned that himself. Like, and then you had look at people like that's the old price on Instagram who for his partner, he acquired the black rock one one like that sold for more than any other wrestling card that has been sold in the history of wrestling cards. Now it's not a public sale. So we can't like point to the verification of being like, oh yeah, that actually did sell for 75 grand. But if he's saying it sold for a hundred grand, it's the first six figure wrestling card. I'm going to say it's probably a little bit below that, but that's still an insane price. So like overall, we, we can't look at Prism as like anything but an absolute success. Like, yes, the wax price dropped. Yes, there were QC issues. All of the things that happened where the golds were the most expensive thing for like Hulk Hogan and The Rock and Stone Cold, like that happens in every set. LeBron James is going to sell for more than the fifth bench player on the Cleveland Browns or the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm sorry. Like, that's just the way things work. So when we're trying to, like, compare apples to apples, actually compare apples to apples. Like, this this set has been a huge, huge driver of collecting, of buying, of selling, of everything. And I, I've said this a number of times. Right now, if you want to complete any part of the rainbow and you're coming in at this point, good luck. Like, try and find anything. Like, there are golds that are missing. There are shimmers. There are first-off-the-line exclusives. There's the Asia sets. There's all of these things that drive collecting rainbows, which has been a huge standard in wrestling cards for a long time, just non-existent anymore. Like they don't exist in, in buying bulk. Like you can't find the blues, even the reds. Like these are out of $2.99 and $1.99. They just don't show up anymore. Like I kind of a saved Becky Lynch search for Prism because I'm missing two cards from the rainbow. I'm missing the gold shimmer and I'm missing the, the lucky envelope Asia exclusive. So I still have my Becky Prism stuff that pops up. I get one new card maybe every other week. So like, it's just, it's, this is the, the, the reality we live in. 
And to sort of use Prism as a punching bag, I think is very unfair. And just kind of one last thing that I'll share too, and, and, and Brett and I kind of talk about this a lot is, you know, especially with these Prism cards, you know, you you listen to other podcasts and, and social media and things like that. And all you hear is like the hobbies falling and things are falling apart and all this kind of stuff. When I go to find cards that I want and, you know, are looking at prices and offers, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not getting a discount. And, yeah. <laughs> and when these things sell, they're not selling at a discount. And, you know, I think something has to be said for that. And, you know, lots mentioned about, you know, manufactured rarity versus actual rarity and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, my thing at the end of the day, that stuff matters. It matters to value. And, you know, that's why, you know, as a collector, I really wanted that rock gold prism in a PSA 10. And a lot of people were telling me that I was nuts to trade a LeBron rookie auto for that. And they're like, why would you do that? It's a wrestling card. And this is LeBron James. I mean, he's maybe the best player of all time and it's a rookie auto and he doesn't have a ton of rookie autos. And I'm like, well, I agree. First of all, I, I connect more with the rock than I do LeBron. The second thing is that LeBron James card is out of 500. Like, yeah, it's a gem mint and all that. The rock card is out of 10 and it's a PSA 10. It's the only one that, that, that was out there, be. right? That yes, exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And so that to me just sold me on the card and it wasn't a straight up trade. There was some cash involved, but as I've kind of looked at that marking market on the sidelines, I think that LeBron James card that we valued at the time, this was July of last year at like a little over $48,000. I think it's now like a 15 to $20,000 card. And, you know, if, if I were, so what's that, a, you know, a six, like a two, what's that drop, right? That's been cut almost what, not in half. Trying to do some quick math here. Um, I'm not a mathematician. <laughs> Neither anyways, am I. I can't help you. Like, it's, we're all waiting for you. It's, to come it's to decreased. Like it's decreased by. It's decreased by like you know what thirty three thousand dollars. And I can guarantee you, if I sent that rock ten to auction right now, it will have not decreased by the same amount. And so I think that's just not something. Even close. No, no. In fact, it may have increased by that amount. You know, um, I'm, but I'm not here to speculate or anything like that. But I think. It's just important to kind of note stuff like that in terms of, you know, everybody or not everybody, but a, a large population of, of the hobby are kind of like sheep sometimes. And they kind of listen to what people say and hear messages yep. as a whole and just think the sky's falling and it's not OK to put money here, not OK to put money here. And I'm here to tell you, like, you get the right stuff. If you can find it, you're going to be fine you're going to be fine. And, you know, find stuff that makes you happy, collect what you like. I think that's super important. Um, but just be smart with where you put your money. And I think, uh, you know, I think you're going to win in the end. I want to maybe kind of round the corner and do a couple quick hits. Um, one, one I want to address is kind of one from the last year, kind of look back, what is one thing that has excited you most? And then what is something that um, is exciting you about year two? And I'll, I'll maybe jump in and just share mine real quick. I think for me, what's excited me most is uh, it's like a run in in wrestling. It's like, holy shit, this is happening. I can't believe this is happening. This is the best thing ever. And that was Chronicles for me. I just discarded it before it came out. And once it came out, I was just like, holy shit, there is so much substance and content in here that like I actually care about. And Drake, you mentioned the Panini one uh, quest I'm on. I, I just have always appreciated those cards in basketball and the imagery and just the look and the feel. And now I can collect those in wrestling and not only collect them, try to build out the whole gold set. It's been amazing. So that has kind of been my biggest surprise of the year that I've just really enjoyed. And then on the flip side, going into year two, it's just another year of continuity. Like 
I am a collector that likes to build and develop continuity through my collection. So another year of prison means another year of gold prisms. And so looking at the gold prisms I currently have, trying to get gold prisms of, of the guys and the gals that I need to help connect those dots. Or then maybe if I didn't get the gold prism in the debut year, this is a year where I can finally get the gold prism of somebody that I really like. So that's kind of what I'm looking forward to. And I just like, there has been, I, all the, I agree with all the negative comments regarding centering, QA stuff, surface issues, like that's out there and that's happened. But I think all in all, net net, just like the, what I am getting as a collector on the other side from the images, the cards, and just the excitement that I have from the year, year one in Panini has been, been awesome. So I'd love to, Drake, I'll pitch it back to you. Like this year, something that you like going into next year, what's something that you're looking forward to? Yeah. So I think, uh, you know, I think those were all great points in terms of the cards and all that kind of stuff. And I think I could go that direction, but I think what I really want to speak to is the community piece. That's the thing that I've just loved the most about this past year is I feel like the community has just grown so much. And I have some of the best conversations with you guys, some other folks that have jumped into the hobby and, you know, have questions. And it's just been amazing to see with, with people that, you know, that want to know like who I collect and they'll, they'll send you cards or, you know, they want to know, you know, is there somebody that your kid likes in terms of wrestling or whatever, and they'll send the kids cards, you know, and that kind of stuff. And I, I, I just, I don't really see that typically in other, I guess, aspects of the hobby. Sometimes I think, I think it's there to an extent, but I also feel like there's some kind of, you know, resistance holding back, like, well, I'd really like to give somebody that card, but I'm afraid it might go up in value and they might sell it and all that kind of stuff. But I, I don't think you see that as much with, with wrestling. It's like people really want to help collectors get the cards in their collections by and large. Right. And so I think that's, that's been the thing that's excited me the most is just to, to see that growth, see the community aspect of it out there, just seeing people jumping in, just really being able to help people kind of learn. Like that's one of my favorite things. And I tell people that all the time and you know, I'm not here to like try to toot my own horn, but it's so much fun for me for the people like ask, like what cards are you looking for and all that? And you go to a card show and you you find those cards for people and just to see their excitement and that kind of stuff. And I think that like that to me, it brings me like more joy than anything else, than anything that I'll ever buy or, or something like that. As far as going to, to year two, I think what excites me the most is I think the people that, that jumped in again, sticking with the community thing, and then maybe backed out. I think there's going to be certain things and certain aspects about year two that kind of pull those people back in um, people that maybe went into the sidelines and that, and that sort of stuff. So you know, I'm certainly excited about the Prism releases. I'm and I'm and I'm certainly excited about you know what what else Panini is going to do in terms of of year two. Is there is there a new set um, that maybe wasn't in year one that is going to come out in year two? You know what what's uh, what's the photography going to look like? Like, can they beat year one? Um, you know that whole sort of thing. We were talking it's gonna about. Going to be tough. Yeah, no, it's true. But but one of the things that's, that's nice as well, thinking like select right with Hulk Hogan. He had the the concourse level card where he's in his white trunks. Well, how many Hulk Hogan cards are out there where you don't have like red and yellow Hulk Hogan? And so I think it's cool whenever they can get different personas on wrestling cards, because as we mentioned, it's a character driven sport. And so the more you can reflect character type cards, I think is really kind of cool. So I think that's what's exciting me about year two and what I'm looking forward to. Maybe we will get a Hollywood Hogan gold prism. That's I'm finally you know, like he hasn't had great. any of that stuff. Like <laughs> no, there is all be that great. era of Hogan. <laughs> yeah, Drake. I mean, I, I just want before we get into the, the my my picks here. Like 
the community aspect of this is what has attracted me and kept me in wrestling cards for so long. And I know you had your top 10 um, a while ago and you heard a lot of the people that said, Hey, Gelman helped me get this card. Gelman helped me get this card. Like I really take that to heart. And like, I know people do that for me too. So it's not, I'm not doing this to, like you said, toot my own horn. It's just like, it's, it's like the way that wrestling collectors sort of engage with each other and like all the beef on social media and Twitter, like, there's such a tiny fraction of wrestling collectors. Like I can promise you, like if you go into the Facebook groups, if you go into Instagram, if you go into those places, like it is usually a really positive place. And I know people like to paint me as the devil because I pumped up the importance of prism and all the values that go on for each set. Like that's because I love wrestling cards and I have a passion for this and it's driving so much of my existence. But yeah, the community drives so much of what makes wrestling cards awesome. And I'm really happy you called that out. The biggest surprise for me, I think, you know, was that Panini was able to execute things that I just did not expect them to be able to do. Those logo cards that were in select, the Black 101 Auto Relics that had the WWE logo in them, some of the stuff that we've seen in National Treasures, like those things just weren't in wrestling cards before. No one had made a conceited effort to drive a chase like that before. I mean, we've had chases like the Transcendent Superfractors and other 101s that drive extreme value in the hobby, but nothing like that type of like consolidated chase of a logo card that has been like literally drove people to offer Lamborghinis and other sports. Right. So like, I think those are the types of things that really surprised me that Panini was able to execute and do so well. I think it was so much fun to sort of chase down the things that I loved about football cards and baseball cards and wrestling. And really how much the community got behind that was surprising as well. So that was cool to see. And, and I think, yeah, that like the biggest surprise is like how much of a split in the community really exists. Like, like social media used to be kind of a, a place where, you know, people were, were excited about different things and, you know, maybe they collected differently, but this was really the first time I think it was surprising to see how many people painted personas with the way that they collect. And it just created this inevitable split on Twitter. Like I said, it's a fraction of, of collectors that do that. But you, know, you can see people picking at it all, all day, every day. It's just so weird that they just can't enjoy it like everybody else and let others have the fun that they have. For my looking forward to it, I, I said this in, in one of my articles, Panini always goes bigger. Like they always go bigger. And they never sort of go and say like, oh, well, that was that way. Let's, let's take a step back. Like, let's go down the other way. Like, no, they always say like, we want to go a lot more the other direction. So I'm hoping to see like, there are things like die cuts and select and some of the other things that maybe were part of, you know, prisms and selects of past years in NFL and NBA that I hope will get some access to as Panini expands their, their, their sort of offerings. But this is also the first time where they've had actual time to build it out because if you think about it their license started 1122 right and prism was out in april so they had like three months to sort of get from the the starting line to the finish line like what have what's going to happen when they actually have like a full year to do it like i think they're gonna there's gonna be more more fun stuff that they include there's gonna be more hobby standards like i mentioned the kabooms and the downtowns and stuff like that I'm super excited. I, I cannot be more excited for this. This is going to be a really fun year. Hopefully you all learn something about wrestling cards and hopefully you understand the passion uh, after this conversation that's coming out of the community. Uh, maybe next time we have a chat, this uh, will be sponsored by Mountain Dew Pitch Black and we can 
<laughs> get some black lights and get some uh, Mountain Dew and uh, have fun. But this will be what we'll do this again. I think these types of conversations are important. So like I want to close with maybe it's like if you have questions about wrestling cards, like reach out to any one of us. Like I think that's the cool thing about wrestling cards is the community is so open and everyone's uh, helpful. But uh, Adam, Drake, thanks so much for coming on and sharing your knowledge. Thank you so much for having me again. This is I, this is my favorite thing to do. I love coming on these things and talking wrestling cards. Usually we have these types of conversations in the shop. Now everybody gets to see them in action as we're sort of debating amongst ourselves. So I'm excited. Thanks again, Brett. Always a great, uh, great time chatting cards, chatting wrestling and all that kind of stuff. If you couldn't already tell, there was a ton of passion coming from those two. I'm fired up about the wrestling card community, the market, new products, you name it. It's a space I spend a lot of time in and I deeply care about. Hopefully this gave you some sort of insight on how wrestling card collectors think and operate. And if you're interested in learning more, always feel free to hit me up. I'm in it deep. You take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. More Stacking Slabs next week. Peace.